The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. With the exception of Joshua, uh, Caleb was the oldest man in all of Israel. Uh, if you remember, uh, it, it talks about Joshua and Caleb, but Joshua and Caleb were the, the sole survivors, if you would, of a generation who would not have faith in God. If you remember, uh, Moses brought them to the edge. What Moses, the law could not do, Joshua, Jesus did. Are you with me? What, what Moses could not do, uh, what the law could not accomplish, Jesus, uh, Joshua, uh, could accomplish uh, hey, in our lives, what the law could, by the law came the knowledge of sin, but grace, truth, that came by Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning? Uh, thankful for that. Uh, the picture there uh, that we see in the Old Testament, uh, the crossing over. Uh, listen, but before they crossed over, they had to believe God, didn't they? They had to have faith in God. They had to say, we believe God's word. We, we trust in God's promises. Are you with me this morning? God's word is true. Do we believe it this morning? Do we believe it? Uh, belief always changes. True belief always changes behavior. Uh, behavior doesn't bring belief. Behavior doesn't bring change. Behavior uh, doesn't change the heart. Sometimes we get it so wrong, don't we? We try to, we try to act right and then hopefully we'll be right. Uh, listen, if we would just be right, uh, God will help us to act right. Uh, if, if, if God changes our heart, hey, listen, follow me, follow me, uh, make that decision this morning to follow Christ. I will make you, boy, he'll transform the heart. Uh, and, and then what does he do? Fishers of men, he, he, uh, when you make that head decision and allow God to change that heart, he changes what we do with our hands, doesn't he? Uh, I will make you not fishers of fish, not, not, uh, not uh, 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 people that would do what you've done before, but uh, fishers of men, people that would do my will. Joshua and Caleb, they were the sole survivors. At 40 years old, he went in with Joshua to spy out Canaan. And uh, he kind of comes to Joshua. He said, remember, remember, you were there. You heard the words. You were with me when we went into the land. You were with us. We, we went in together. You remember the words of the Lord. I want you to remember. I'm calling you to remember uh, what, what, what Moses said to me, what he told me, what he promised me. Remember when he, we were sent in to spy the land? Remember uh, uh, we sing that song with the kids, uh, 12 men uh, went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good, right? And uh, we understand there, was, uh, there were those, and, and, and uh, Caleb points them out. Uh, he says in verse number eight, he said, the brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, uh, but I wholly follow the Lord. Isn't it amazing how faith, is, faith inspires and unbelief causes people to melt? It causes people to fear. It causes people not to move forward, not to progress. Motion in God's direction, direction is true progress in the Christian life, whatever direction that means. And God said, hey, listen, in the direction of danger is progress. In the direction of what you think is sudden destruction. In, direct, in the direction of the Jordan River. By the way, which, amazing how they crossed, wasn't it? Amazing how they crossed. Not at the fords. Uh, not at the time where the water was at its lowest. But at the time of when it was at its highest. God always knows when is the best time for us to trust in him. Uh, God always knows what is the best time for him to display uh, things to be done in a way that would only bring him glory. Do we know this morning that God will not share his glory with anyone 
You not share it with me this morning. You not share it with you this morning. We didn't come to lift ourselves up. We came to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And can we be honest this morning? In this room, he is the only one that deserves it. He's the only one that deserves it. His presence is felt by his spirit in the presence of his people this morning. But we, we understand, listen, uh, God brought them in and, and God, hey, Deuteronomy, I'm going to bring you out so that I can bring you in. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt so I can bring you into Canaan. I'm going to bring you out of slavery so I can bring you into promise. Uh, isn't that God's promise to us? Out of darkness into light, out of death into life. God always calls us out so that we can go in. Are you with me? He always calls us out so that we can go in. Sometimes I think we're afraid what God is calling us out to. God is calling us out. We're afraid he's calling us out. That means alone. That means wilderness. That means uncertainty. That means fear. That means difficulty. But we can have faith that whenever God calls us out, he's always for the intention to bring us in. Always for the intention to bring us in. Into promise. Into blessing. Maybe right now where you feel that you are in life is that you've been called out and you're in that position, you're in that fearful uh, place. It's, it's, it, you know, to be brought out uh, uh, is, is a vulnerable position to be in. But can I remind us all that we need to be vulnerable with God? That, that we need to be naked and empty. Uh, that we need to be, uh, if you would, destitute and poor and blind before we would ever understand that we need to be clothed, before that we would ever understand that we need to be filled, before the church of the living God who thought they had all, who thought that they were full and had need of nothing. Hey, he said, I- I'm going to tell you right now you're naked and poor and destitute and blind. You need me. Listen, when we get out, when we get called out in those wilderness places, boy, we find out how much we need God, don't we? And he called them out that he might bring them in. Caleb believed that. He called us out so that he might bring us in. Hey, we've been out long enough. It's time to go in. Can you hear him say it? It's time to go in. We've been out long enough. We've been beat up long enough. We've been in the wilderness long enough. We've been wandering long enough. It's time to enter in. It's time for blessing. It's time for promise. It's time for, for, for us to see God do what he said he'd be doing. Boy, God didn't leave him alone in the wilderness, did he? Shoes never wore out. Food from heaven. Uh, 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 boy, just constantly God, uh, guided. Presence of God. Pillar of fire. Pillar of cloud. He was with them, wasn't he? Hey, listen, when he calls you out, he's with you. When he brings you in, he's with you. Some of us, we get so scared because we're out. Listen, God wants to bring you in today. He wants to bring you into the land of promise. You know, some of you, you may be suffering in life because of uh, various degrees of differences or reasons Uh, You may feel that life has been unfair to you. Come on, think uh, about where the nation of Israel was. Slavery, is that fair? Is that right? Those people didn't deserve that. Listen, I don't care how you want to slice it spiritually. Nobody deserves to be anybody's slave. Nobody. Nobody deserves that kind of treatment. Nobody deserves it. It doesn't matter. And listen, by the way, paying for what their ancestors did, that's even worse, isn't it? Listen, we have a hard enough time paying our own bills, let alone anybody want to pay somebody else's. Paying for what somebody else has done, boy, sin is terrible, isn't it? It's destructive, it's generational, it's continual, it's without end, without Christ. But when Christ comes in, boy, he can put an end to all those things. And Caleb said, remember, he brought us out that he might bring us in. Caleb, he's there. Hey, let's go in. The ten made the hearts to melt, but Caleb... Caleb fully followed after the Lord. No, no, let's go in. 
You don't believe. You, they saw the giants. Caleb saw the clusters. They saw the giants. Caleb saw the mountains. They saw the giants. Caleb saw the land that flowed with milk and honey. They saw what they wanted to see. Caleb saw what God wanted him to see. Listen, isn't it amazing how your perspective is changed by uh, the way that you believe or doubt? When you believe God and you believe that all things are possible with God and nothing is too hard for God, boy, it changes the way you look at things, doesn't it? Caleb looked at one thing and saw one thing and the other ten saw something completely different. What were they looking at? What did they see? I mean, how in the world would it drive people to insanely wander for many more years to have a whole generation die? Listen, everybody over 20 died. Everybody, except Caleb and Joshua. Now Joshua and Caleb, the oldest. You know what sometimes happens in old age? We get tired. Uh, we, We talked about last week, don't get weary. You know, Joshua, you're old and stricken in years. Joshua, Joshua said, I'm old and stricken in years, and said, God repeated it in the next verse. Yeah, you're old and stricken in years. He, he, didn't you love when God states the obvious to us? I know I'm old. You're old and stricken in years, but you have much to do. You have much to do. The job's not done. Don't get weary. Caleb said, I get it. You don't even have to tell me, God. I'll volunteer. As a matter of fact, where God didn't put a number on Joshua, he put a number on Caleb. <laughs> Anybody here want to volunteer your age? Something around 40 hinders us. Hinders us from wanting. Listen, up until that, uh, listen, when you're seven, it's like I'm seven and a half. When when you're 30, it's like I'm 30 forever. You know, I don't want to get older. I don't want to get older. I don't want to get my, Caleb said, I'm 85. I'm as strong as I was when I was 40. I'm 85, but I'm not done. I'm 85, but I'm ready to march. I'm 85, but give me that mountain. I'm 85, but I didn't come here to quit. I'm 85, but my dreams aren't dead. I'm 85, my God's not dead. I'm 85, there's a generation that's coming after me, and they need me at 85. You know, it's sad sometimes how we think that there's an age to where God doesn't need us anymore. Can I, can I share with you, God doesn't want to use you anymore when you're not here anymore. That's when God says life's over. God's the giver of life. God's the one who takes. God gives. God takes. He has his purposes and his glory to be felt in all things, doesn't he? I mean, Job in his destitute situation, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God gave life. God took it away. He said, God gave me my children. God took them away from me. It's okay. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God gives for his glory. He takes for his glory. Whether God gives or God takes, God's good. Are you with me? He's good. Joshua, we're still here. God hasn't taken us. God hasn't finished us. God hasn't completed us. He didn't say to us, ministry's over. He didn't say to us, time to quit. He didn't say to us, it's time to be done. So he says, I'm not done yet. At 40 years old, when he went in uh, with Joshua to spy out the land, God said to uh, them they could take the land. He still believed. Can I say this? Don't let the years that have passed allow your dreams to die. Sometimes we say, boy, come on, who's our God this morning? Eternal, everlasting. Is there a time on God? Is God, is God feeling the 2015, almost 16? 
Is God nervous about the next election? I mean, is God really, uh, is he wrenching his hands this morning wondering, what am I going to do? I mean, we're even past the the back to the future date. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Boy, how many wish you were on the hoverboards? You wish you were, yeah. Some of you just, if you're not 80s, you don't know. But I mean, some of us, we're like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Boy, how many of us kind of like the projection of those in the past? The future doesn't look like what we thought it would. Maybe a little disappointing, maybe a little discouraging. Uh, How many of you would like to be uh, further ahead or in a different place in life than what you are today? Maybe, Maybe life hasn't given you all of what you think that you should have gotten from life, and maybe it doesn't seem to be going in the direction you'd like it to go. But can I tell you, don't let the dreams die. God's promises aren't dead. God's promises are sure. And God's promises cannot be not done. They will always be done. I just want to be a part of them. How about you? You know what Caleb was saying? Hey, I still want to be a part. There's some lessons I believe we can learn from Caleb. Let me give you three this morning. Number one, lessons from Caleb's life. Lessons from from Caleb's life. He was a man whose life spoke louder than words. He did speak some words, but there's uh, there's not a whole lot of accounting for Caleb's life. As a matter of fact, we have Joshua 14, we have Joshua 15, we have an excerpt in Numbers 23, we have a little bit about him in the land, a little bit about him, about what he sought, a little bit about his inheritance, but in the little that the Bible does say about Caleb, his life seems to speak so much louder. Are you with me? It's so much bigger than his words. Even the words that he says, how many know that you listen when somebody whose life is already speaking loudly, you listen when they talk. You listen to what they have to say. Their life speaks loudly. And before we learn from number two, Caleb's lips, we're going to learn first from uh, Caleb's life. Only mentioned in chapter 14 and 15, Numbers 14, uh, I believe his life says, number one this morning, have character. Have character. You know, men with poor character don't remain or are rarely remembered. Caleb's remembered because he had character. Caleb's life remained. Caleb was blessed. Uh, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Every once in a while, uh, I read verses from context when I talk to my kids. I know that you shouldn't do that. But I I tell them, honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with thee, thou mayest live long on the earth. So you want a short life, be mean to me. Come on, parents. We've we've been there. I got four kids. I got to use what I got. So every once in a while, I'll tell them, listen, you want a long life. Honor your parents. Honor your father and your mother. Obey your parents in the Lord. Come on. Obey your, how many times have your kids come home with a Sunday school paper that said, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right in your life. Amen. Teach that every week. Teach that every week. You hope they're learning it right now in the Sunday school. I know. And it's obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Listen, we grow beyond obedience, but we never grow beyond honor. You with me? We grow beyond obedience in the sense of where it's not just I have to because I've been told to. I think as we mature and grow in the grace and the knowledge that's in Christ Jesus, what happens when we are strong in the grace that is is in Christ Jesus, we do because we desire, not because we have to. There's no more a law that's ruling over us. There's no more a, a, a commandment that's ruling over us. It's just a desire from our hearts. We love. We love. Isn't that the greatest motivator? You know, in, in early days as children, listen, that's why so when you're, when you're new to Christ, a lot of times what you need to learn is what you need to do. 
But after you grow in, in the grace in Christ Jesus, boy, what happens when you're strong, when you get rooted and grounded in the truth, you learn to love and doing is not so much doing and, and, and duty as it much as it is just expressions of our love. I'm just showing God how much I love him. And I love him so much, there's nothing I would not do for God. I would love for that statement to be completely true this morning. I want to do whatever I do from, for, from a heart of love for God. Not with eye services, men pleasers, but as servants of the Lord doing the will of God from the heart. Men with poor character or men with complaints, uh, complaints rather than men of conviction. You thought about all these men uh, that were made the people's heart to melt. You want to drain people. You want to melt people. Uh, just, just be around a group of complainers, uh, critics, uh, uh, naysayers. It can't be done. It can't be done. The men that are remembered and inspire us today, the men that in the spite of all those that said it could not be done, said it can be done. Not that they didn't fail. Not that they never met with adversity. Not that they never got told no. Not that they never felt hardship. But when others said it couldn't be done, they said, no, it can be done. And those that even persisted to believe that not only could it be done, but that they could do it, that they could accomplish it. God give us some men of character and some women of character in this generation that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. If God's put it in your heart to do it, do it and go and do all that is in thine heart. You know, it's important for us to do what God wants us to do. Sometimes we, we say, well, I just can't. Character keeps us from failure. Have character, have courage. Have courage. I don't know of another man in the Old Testament that I could look to and say, a man of courage, 85, I'm ready to war. I'm ready to go in. I'm ready to take mountains. I'm ready to take on giants. Come on. At 85, if you're 85, I don't know if we have anybody that's 85, but at 85, you're kind of sizing somebody up that maybe is a little more weak and that you could maybe kick a little bit. But, you know, you're saying, there's no way. I'm not going to be able to win this this fight. I'm not going to be able to win this battle. But at 85, he's saying, no, I can. I can. I can do it. God said, if God will be with me, it can be accomplished. If God will be with me, can we answer that question today? Will God be with you? Has he not already answered that? You do the will of God, God is with you. God is with you in power. God is with you in strength. Uh, there's nothing too hard for our God. Do we believe that? Have courage. Some have physical courage but lack moral courage. Uh, uh, Caleb had both. He was courageous spiritually and morally when it wasn't popular. Standing alone is a true test of moral and spiritual courage. When everybody else says, we're not going to do this, and Caleb said, we need to do this. We can't do this, and Caleb said, we can do this. We shouldn't do this, and Caleb said, we should do this. We need to do this. Listen, it's one thing to have courage when there's a crowd with you. It's another thing to have, he didn't just have physical courage, he had moral courage. He had the ability to stand when everybody else stood against, when everybody else said against, he still said the truth. Listen, the hardest thing, truth is easy to say in this context. You know what I pretty much know is uh, this is going to be met with pretty much, not across the board, but pretty much it's going to be received. I'm speaking to believers. You believe God's word. As long as I'm preaching God's word, it's going to be received well. 
You know what the true test of whether I believe something is whether I'm willing to say it and say it and preach it where people don't believe it. Where I'm willing to live it may not, may not be necessarily on a platform saying it, but where I'm able to live it and continue to live it even though everybody around me is not living it, not believing it. Come on, that's courage. That's courage. Standing alone is the true test of moral and spiritual courage. Physically, he was courageous by standing when his friends opposed him and even wanted to, listen, they wanted to stone him. Stone this guy. I mean, talk about, this guy just went and spied out a land for you so you didn't have to go in and and risk your life. This guy came back and brought a good report. Come on, isn't it interesting how today those bearing good news are the object of ridicule while those bearing bad news are the object of praise? Come on, is the gospel good news? Do people need that good news? But in a world of bad news, in a world of negative, isn't it it amazing how much when we speak goodness, when we speak God's word, it can be even viewed negatively? Because when it's spoken against the culture, when it's spoken against the way of, of life that people know and have accepted and believed to be okay, it's hard to take. But can we be honest this morning? It's still good news. It's still good news. Good news. Not only was he a a man of character and he was a man of courage, but he was also a man of conviction. He says, have conviction. Have conviction. Verses 8 and 9 tells us he wholly followed the Lord. Listen, following Christ was not a matter of convenience, but it was a matter of conviction. It was a matter of conviction. Listen, um, many have followed Jesus when it's been convenient, but only those convinced that he was the Christ followed him when it wasn't. You with me? When it wasn't convenient for the crowd to follow Jesus, convenience meant when the miracles were happening. Convenience meant when it wasn't against or wasn't going to cost them anything. Convenience means it's easy, right? Why do the convenience places know they can always charge more? Because it's easy, and you're paying for easy. Are you with me? You know what I want to say this morning to God's church? We're paying for easy. We're paying for it. Too long we've lived the easy way. And this generation, the one after, is paying for easy living. We're paying for it. One way or another, you're going to pay for it. You know, the the easy road is not always the right road. Are you with me? It's not, and more often than not, it's not the right road And we are going to pay for easy. Convenience is not conviction. When I'm convinced that Jesus is the Christ, come on, who do other people say I am? Peter, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hey, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We can't leave you. We can't leave you even if others leave you. And even someone that's convinced sometimes can leave, Peter. Someone convicted. Come on, have you ever broken, gone back on your word, your convictions. Thankful for God's forgiveness, we can come back. Have conviction. Have consistency. Come on, Caleb was a consistent man. You don't get to 85 without having some consistency. I'm not talking about 85 and obscure. I'm talking about 85 and we still want to hear what he had to say. I'm talking about 85 and people still wanted to follow him. I'm talking about 85 and he was leading He wasn't following. He was leading. He said, okay, guys, let's go. I'm ready to go again. The land had rest as far as the land that had been divvied up with inheritance, 
And he said, there's an area of the land that I'd like to go in that's, that's in a hard area, but I'm ready to go into war, he said. To war. He said, was he just addicted to this warfare? No, no, he wanted to show the next generation, and I'll show you later in chapter 15, he wanted to show the next generation that his God was still big to him even in his old age. That his strength was not what was important, but that God's strength, when he said, I'm as strong, I don't think he was measuring his physical strength. He was measuring his strength with God because he said, if God is with me, I can drive them out. As long as God's with me, I'm strong. Do we not forget Paul's words uh, this morning? His strength is made perfect in our weakness. We see a man that maybe if physical frailty and weakness, although I believe he was blessed with physical strength. We, we see a man that uh, has longevity and was consistent and faithful, but he was only reflecting the faithfulness of the Father. He was only reflecting the strength of his God. See, as long as you're in the presence of God, you can have God's strength. As long as you're in the presence of God, you can have God's power. It's when you try to leave and do it on your own that you don't have the strength. Have consistency. Number five, have compassion. Have compassion. Boy, it was sad that a nation was lost in the wilderness, but I'm glad that Caleb was compassionate enough to say, we can lead the next one. There's hope for the next generation. Listen, if one generation fails, the next generation is not condemned. I'm thankful for that this morning. Listen, there's been failures before us, and there'll be failures after us, and I'll contribute to the failures. Are you with me? But the the truth is this morning, we can still go forward and have progress as the church of the living God today. And I don't think we should be losing ground as God's church. I think we should be taking ground. Come on. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Where are the gates of hell? They're not where the church is. They're at the gates of hell. What does that tell us? That the church is there charging that, not that they're waiting for the gates of hell to come to them. Listen, when did the church get in the position to where we got on the defense? To where we got so defensive, we're so defensive that we're so easily offended by even other believers. We've been on the defense for so long that we have that abuse tick. That every time somebody comes around us with any kind of courage or any kind of conviction or any kind of strength, we, we kind of shy away. I don't want to be a part of that. Ah, I'm scared. Come on. Did God tell us we're on a battlefield or what? that we're to be good soldiers, that, this is, that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Listen, we need to put down our arms against one another as believers, and we need to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And the sword of the Spirit, can I remind us, is not ever used on other believers. You know, the context of the Word of God always to believers is bread. But the context of the Word of God when it comes to the enemy is a sword. Isn't it interesting that what is food and fuel to us can kill the enemy? But you know what? So many believers are using the word as a sword to other believers rather than a sword to the real enemy. Listen, in essence, we as ridiculous as children in a cafeteria having a food fight. You say, what are you talking about? We're throwing food at each other. The word of God is not something I beat someone with. It's bread. It's something I feed someone with. But when it comes to, hey, when it comes to the devil, hey, take these rocks and make them bread. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. 
the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What was mentioned as bread to the believer was used as a sword to the devil. Jesus has given us a weapon and also our sustenance in the word, but too many Christians are using it, the word as a weapon. Can I, can I say this? If you're posting scripture on Facebook to hurt other people, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Scripture is not meant to plod and poke and, and abuse and hurt other people. Scripture is meant to feed people. We've had uh, too, uh, too many bully pulpits. We've had too many, too many uh, dictator, dic- dictatorial uh, leaders that use the word of God to abuse people and taught God's church to abuse people with the word of God. The word of God's our bread. We've come to eat this morning, not to be abused, not to be hurt, to be helped. Feed the flock, feed the flock, he says. Have consistency, have compassion, have compassion. Uh, lessons from his life, number two, lessons from his lips will hasten. Believe Believe from his lips. Believe in God's purposes. Believe in God's purposes. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I was brought him word again as it was in mine heart. But it didn't happen then. It didn't happen the way that I thought it would. I thought I'd come back with the good report and the people of God would be uh, encouraged and the people of God would follow. And boy, do you think of a man who might have had hope? He was willing to lay his life down and become a spy and go across an enemy territory and to bring back that good report only to be met with the opposition of his own people and said, we will not go in. You know what he said? I have belief. I believe in God's purposes. That God has a purpose, and if it was not for that generation, it was for this generation. That God didn't leave me out there. That God brought me in here because I had faith. You know what? Caleb didn't deserve to be in the land of promise any more than those other individuals deserved to be in the land of promise. The reason why we're in the land of promise, the reason why we're saved is not because of our deservedness, but because of our faith. Our faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, is the evidence of things not seen for by it. Come on, they obtained a good report. They were made righteous by faith. For by grace you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Then we have to have faith in God's purposes. We have to stop believing, church, that our purpose is the most important purpose in this world. We have to die to our own purposes sometimes. Sometimes it means that we come away and say, you know, that's what I'd like to, like to have been done, but perhaps God, not perhaps God, we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purposes. Listen, have we been called according to his purpose or has he been called to ours? Let's be honest this morning. We all have purposes that we'd like to individualize to ourselves and say, this is my purpose. But are you open this morning to God changing your purpose? Meaning if God says no to what you believe or what you have purposed in your heart to do, did Caleb lack in zeal for God? Did Caleb lack in faith for God? But his purpose was not lined up with God's purpose. At least one time he thought, boy, this is what's going to happen. Have you ever been at that point to where you really thought God was going to do something and then it didn't happen? You know what we have to say? God's purposes are greater. God's purposes are greater. 
You know, some of you are living with a burden right now. You're living with a burden. You've asked God to take it away, and God says, no. You said, but God, I don't want to carry this burden. I don't believe that's my purpose. And God says, that's my purpose. That's my purpose. Are we okay with God's purposes being fulfilled in our lives instead of us just getting our purpose fulfilled? Are we okay with just saying, God, your purpose, your will be done, not mine? He believed in God's purposes. Number two, he believed in God's promises. He believed in God's promises. Notice he said this, what Moses promised me. And Moses, verse 9, swear on that day, saying, Sure, the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever. How many in here love to wait? You love to wait. I love it. So enjoyable. Had a dentist appointment this week. I know that about two hours of that is going to be waiting. And I'm just so looking forward to it. The dentist appointment's bad enough. But then that torture of having sitting there and waiting for the pain. I know it's going to be bad, and now I've got to sit here and wait for it. I'm not looking forward to it. Are you with me? Nobody looks forward to waiting. Nobody looks forward. Listen, this is what Caleb said. Joshua, you were there. You heard the promise. You were with me. I know I'm 85 and it hasn't happened yet. But that means it's got to happen soon, right? Because I don't have that much longer. I mean, Joshua lived a little bit beyond 100 years, and I don't know if, if Caleb had much longer than that. Caleb had a few years. Caleb had a little time. But Caleb said, what am I going to coast? I've waited long enough. It's time to take action now. If there's never a time, if there, I mean, come on, everything else is done. We've conquered. We've met every people in every city that God's told us to. I mean, they cut it in half. They went north. They went south. They uh, divided the land, and then they divvied it up to the tribes to go in and to do the rest of the work. There's much work yet to be done. They divided and they conquered, and, and Caleb said, hey, listen, I know that it's back there. I know that it's in the past. I know the promise was given, but I've been with you all the way, and I've not allowed God's promise. What God said to me, I believe, is still going to be fulfilled in my life. Do you believe that this morning? You might be living with a burden. It might be difficult for you. It might be hard for you. But can I tell you this morning, listen, even though it's difficult, though he slay me, I will trust him. I will trust him. Boy, that that makes for great scripture and preaching, but it's hard to say tomorrow, isn't it? It's hard to wait. It's hard to go through those difficult times. It's it's hard to be be, uh, accosted with life and then not to have what we think should happen happen and not to allow those things uh, to take place. And, And boy, we think, Boy, God, what am I going to do? God, have you forgotten me? God, have you abandoned me? Lord, what, what am I going to do? God, help me. Caleb said, I believe. I believe. God's promises to be fulfilled. If you have children, you better believe this morning. Listen, if you've got life in front of you, you better believe this morning. Listen, why in the world have, listen, for too long, American Christianity has put their faith where the president lives. I mean, honestly, we've worshipped it. Worshiped it so much that you can see how much people worship politics today. Christians talk about more, more politics than they talk about anything. Anything. Politics, 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 politics. Listen, I'm all for taking a stand and doing what's right. I'm all for righteousness exalts a nation. But we don't worship America. We worship God. I mean, and, and he's God on the throne no matter who's in the White House. Do we believe that? 
And maybe we could just start to say that maybe God has a purpose for who he puts because God puts kings in places. God puts rulers in places. God sets them up and he takes them out, doesn't he? He sets them up and he takes, his, takes them out. You worried about the vote? Listen, I'm worried that we're not going to reach our country. I'm worried that we're not going to reach our city. I'm worried that we're not going to reach our town for Christ. That's what I'm worried about this morning. I'm not saying don't vote, and I'm not saying don't be involved. Be involved, be active, be responsible, be a Christian when you go to the polls. But what I'm saying to you is we have to stop thinking that that is all of what Christianity is about in America. It's not just about what happens at the polls. It's what happens in the church. And we need, we need again, listen, for the church to set the tone for what happens in the country again. Where, where do we start to think that, believe that we can't do it because we're outnumbered? When has that ever stopped us? The church has always been outnumbered. They have always been the minority. They have always been, if you would, the, the smaller voice or the one that was lessened or tried to be quiet. But you can't keep God's church down. You can't keep them down. You can persecute them all they want. They just got stronger. They just get bigger. We think, the problem we think is that we think we're the only church in America. But you can go across the sea, you can go across the ocean, you can see Christians that are standing for God in adversity and real persecution today and know that God is still on the throne. When we're taken from our culture, when we're taken from our context, can I tell you he's the God of every nation, tribe, people, language, tongue? And although God has brought the melting pot and the nations to us, we have failed in reaching them. And we are doing more to condemn those that come to our shores than we are to give them the gospel. And believe that the gospel still works. Can I I remind us all this morning that everybody that's here, unless you're a Native American, unless you are, came, immigrated here from somewhere else? And, And most of us who immigrated here came because of adversity in the countries that we were in. Wars, famines. How about this? Religious persecution. Isn't that what our nation is founded on? It worked then. Why can't it work today? Oh, don't be political. That's not politics. That's the Bible. That's God's word. That's what's caused our country to have the foundations that it's had. We need to get back to that and believe that our God is still in control. Believe in God. Believe in God's purposes. Believe in God's promises. Believe in God's presence. Has God left us or not? We say no, but we live like yes. We're living more like the nation of Israel who thought God abandoned them than we are like the nation of Israel who charged forward with God. With God. With God, all things are possible. If God, Caleb, if God will be with me, it can be done. If God will be with me, it can be done. Where where is the church of God today that says, if God is with us and not if God, because he is with us, we just need to practice the presence of God again and know that he's here. Know that he is ever-present. Is God with us here? Yes. Will God be with you when you walk through the doors? Yes. Will God be with you at your jobs tomorrow? You know, one of the, the, the greatest... <laughs> I heard, I heard a, a pastor, Shane Lewis, uh, said, said this week, he said, the greatest mission field to the church is your workplace. It's, it's, the, most, it's, it's the, most, uh, the, the mission field that's most ignored, most neglected. God has put you in it, placed you in it, we think, well, we're lesser because maybe we're not, I'm not the pastor, I'm not on full-time staff, so I don't really have, no, God has put you there. He's, he's put you there. There's people there that are lost. They need to know Christ. The church needs to make a difference. Salt and light, salt and light. Wherever I am, preservation, inspiration. Wherever I am, 
I'm preserving, I'm, I'm being a reason why uh, condemnation, I'm being a reason why judgment's not coming, I'm also being a reason why people see the light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your Father which is in heaven. Stop hiding. Stop, stop hiding in fear. Believe in God's presence. Lastly, lessons from his legacy, and we'll be done. Lessons from his legacy. Look at it. He said, verse 12, or verse 11, is yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spake in that day. I love his humility, don't you? I can take it, but Joshua, give it to me. You're the leader. You're you're the one that God's put to divvy out the land. You're the administrator. I'm not going to go without blessing. I'm not going to go without God's presence. I'm not going to handle this wrong. I'm not going to go thinking I deserve. I want God's blessing. I want God's presence. Would you give it to me? Would you give me the desires of my heart? Would you let me have what what God said I could have? Would Would you let me go and do what God's put in my heart to do? I don't know about you, but if I was Joshua, I'd been tempted to say, Caleb, I really want you to stay with me. Come on, who doesn't want that guy around? Who doesn't want that guy by your side? Who doesn't want, who doesn't want him? Caleb, I want Caleb near me. I want Caleb beside me. To the end, Caleb, let's go. Listen, I don't know about you, but if I was Joshua, I'd be like, let's go. I want to go with you. Let's take that mountain. Let's charge that hill. You know what? At the, at the back half of, of Caleb's life, he realized there was mountains to climb and, and giants to conquer. But here, here's the lesson from his legacy. Number one, climb your mountains. Climb your mountains. But it's hard. Come on, nobody ever climbed a mountain thinking it was easy. And I'm not talking about those little hills that we see. I'm talking about mountains. Nobody ever climbed a mountain and said, boy, it's going to be really easy to get to the top. It's hard. It's difficult. There's adversity. I mean, just breathing, right? I mean, it's just difficult to do, and why would anybody want to do it? But I stand back and say, boy, the view is so much better. I'm ready to go. Give me the mountain. I'm willing to take the mountains. I'm willing to go uphill. Listen, for Caleb, progress meant climbing mountains still. Progress meant motion in God's direction for Caleb was climbing and scaling more mountains. How many of you are tired this morning like me? It's hard. Tired. I don't want to do anymore. Haven't I done enough? Haven't I accomplished enough? Haven't I given enough? Haven't I served enough? I mean, come on. But how many of us, we just need a little inspiration this morning? I know it's in your heart. I know it's in your heart. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't in your heart. I'm just trying to inspire what's already in your heart. I'm not trying to put it in your heart. In your heart, I don't care what age you are or how long you've been saved, if you have a heart for God and you love God, in your heart is, let's go again. We can do it. We can do it. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's not let our faith die in the end. Let's do it again. Let's prove God. Let's, let's show the next generation it can be done again. Listen, it's, it's not time for us to lay down our arms. The, the land will rest one day. The Prince of Peace will sit on the throne and we'll have peace. But until then, it's going to be unrest. It's going to be climbing mountains. 
Come on, there's some mountains in front of you today that if you're with me, I want to take, take the road around. I don't want to climb it. I, I, I don't want to go up it. I don't want to scale it. There's some things this week I told God, I don't want that mountain. I, I really don't. Caleb wanted the mountain. I don't even want it. I'm, I'm studying. I'm looking at it. Caleb says, give me that mountain. I'm saying, go, Caleb, go, but I don't want it. I'll watch you. But there's mountains that I need to climb. How about you? Climb your mountains. Climb them. Listen, run the race that is set before you. You don't need to climb someone else's mountain. You don't need to race someone else up the mountain. You don't need to challenge someone else to do and climb your mountain. Just climb your own mountains. God's put them in front of you. Come on, I'm not going to go through and list what your mountains are. You know what they are. I've heard messages all about what the mountains are. I can't tell you what your mountains are. You know what they are this morning. The things you don't want to scale, the things you don't want to climb. It's hard. But let's be honest. It's a little exciting to think about, isn't it? I mean, when I, when I stand back at it a little bit, I think, boy, maybe that would be fun. Maybe I'd get enjoyment. Maybe at the end of the day, I'd be the guy that climbed the mountain, not the guy that sat and watched. I'd rather be the guy that climbed the mountain. How about you? Now, I understand preparation. I understand difficulty. I understand hardship. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's mountains to climb. Number two, conquer your giants. Conquer your giants. Lessons from his legacy. Remember, going back, spied out the land. What did the 10 say? There's giants in the land. What did Caleb say? There's grapes. There's milk and honey. Did Caleb say there weren't giants? He never said there weren't giants. As a matter of fact, he said, there are giants. It's time to go whoop them. It's it's time to take them out. he He wasn't challenging the validity of the message. Listen, they told the truth. They just told part of the truth. The other 10, they said, hey, there's giants. Are there giants? Were they like grasshoppers to them? Maybe exaggeration. Maybe not so much like grasshoppers, but anybody want to take on Andre the Giant this morning? Another 80s reference for you. Anybody want to take on somebody, somebody big? Anybody want to take on somebody bigger than you? Come on, nobody, none of the little kids go to the playground and look for the kid bigger than them. You always pick on the person smaller than you when you're a bully. Caleb wasn't a bully. Caleb wasn't sizing someone up in his own physical strength. Listen, when we compare our strength to giants, we're small. But when we compare our giants to God, they're small. You know what caused Caleb to be able to shrink his giants? God. Look at God and then look at them. Caleb didn't look at his giants and then look at his God. He looked at his God and he looked at the giants. You know, too many of us, we're looking at our giants and then we're looking at ourselves and saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Instead, we should be looking to God and then looking at the giants. Boy, look how little they are. Look how big God is. Look how little that guy. Look at that little guy. When you put your giants next to God, how little are they? So small. Then go in that strength. Because when you first compared your giants to your strength, listen, that was the wrong comparison. David never walked out to kill Goliath because he looked at Goliath and he looked at himself and said, I can. 
David went out to slay Goliath because he looked at God and then looked at Goliath and said, that guy's nothing. My God, my God is going to give you to me this day. That's what he said. He didn't say I can do it. He didn't say I'm able. He didn't say I'm strong. I'm not, you're a man of war. I'm a boy. You're a man of war from your youth. I'm just a youth. Uh, You've got spears and and swords and you're, you're able to do things I can't do. Listen, when Caleb went to the giants, he wasn't going because he was physically strong. Although God had blessed him with strength, he was going because God was big. How big is your God today? Slay your giants. Conquer your giants. You can do it with God. Don't try to go in your own strength. You're going to get chased away. Listen, that's what should have happened, physical to physical. Am I a dog that now comes to me with a stick? No, no. No, no. My God. My God is bigger. Listen, you know what? Do you look in the face of your giants today and say, God's bigger. God's bigger. You can climb your mountains. You can conquer your giants as long as you have a proper view and perspective of God. See God for who he is. See you for what you are. And then look at everything else through that lens. God is big. God is able. God can. And so now, are you with me? I get to Philippians 4.13 and I'm like, what? I can do all things through Christ. That sounds good. Looks good on a plaque on my wall. But do I really believe that? Do I believe that faith is small? The must- oh, I love all those posts. If I have faith as small as a mustard seed, I can say to the mountain, be thou removed. Be cast in the sea and it'll be done. Do we believe that? God can do it. God can say to the Jordan, part. God can say to the Red Sea, part. God can say to the walls of Jericho, fall. God can say to the giants, run, you're in trouble. There's an 85-year-old man coming for you. Ooh. Can you see him? Boy, they ran, though, didn't they? The Bible says he drove them out. He drove them out. They ran. The ones that faced him were conquered. The ones that watched him conquer ran. Isn't it amazing how when people see us coming with the Father, they run? You come by yourself, they got nothing to run for. Next time you go to face the bullies in your life, bring your daddy. Bring God. God is able to take them out. God is able to, hey, bring you in once again. He brought us out that he might bring us in. Maybe you're out today and you think, boy, God, there's some mountains to climb. There's some giants to conquer. I felt like I've gone at it and gone at it and gone at it. I'm tired and I'm weary. Lord, help me this morning to wait on you. My strength may be renewed. I can mount up with wings as eagles. I can run and not be weary. I can walk and not faint. That's a real promise. It can be done with God. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.